Law enforcement suicides are at an all-time high right now. One of the causes is poor leadership within the law enforcement profession. Nick, the host of the Roll Call Room podcast, has written a book, Police Mental Barricade, A Survivor's Guide to Poor Law Enforcement Leadership. This book is a raw and powerful look into suicide and how poor leadership decisions contribute to law enforcement suicides. Buy the book now at mentalhealthbarricade.com and stop the stigma. The issues discussed on the Roll Call Room podcast do not reflect the opinions of any specific agency. Any characters discussed on this show may be fictional for comedic value unless you're a shitbag Steve. This podcast is rated explicit and listener discretion is advised. So a lot of people will say that you need to do what makes you happy. Do what makes you happy. And look, I get it from a from a long-term life perspective. Yeah, fine. Find a job or find a vocation that you enjoy, something that makes you happy over the long term. I get that, but that that is not the plan to follow for your daily life at all because if if you do what makes you happy right now well a piece of cake will make you happy right now or laying in bed for an extra 48 minutes will make you happy right now so there's lots of things that'll make you happy right now but in the long run they don't do anything for you they make you soft they make you weak and in the long run, they will not make you happy in life. So, sure, find a job that's gonna make you happy in the long term. But for today, don't do what makes you happy. Do what challenges you, do what pushes you. Do what makes you better. One of the things you're gonna have to understand is that no matter what road you take in life, there are always going to be things you have to do that you just don't want to fucking do, right? And, and mind you, it's always a choice. But in order to, to, to live the way that you see fit for yourself, there are always going to be things that you have to do that you don't want to fucking do. It's 50% love, 50% archer, 50% work. It's always going to be that way. I don't care how much you invest in your particular line of love, your line of work, but you don't become personally identified with the, with the down part. You remember the good part, or you really invest your heart and soul into the good part. Anybody can do the shit they wanna do when they feel like doing it, okay? Anybody can go to the gym when they feel like going to the gym. Anybody could show up to work and give 100% when they feel good about what they're working on. But that's not what makes successful people successful. What makes successful people successful is what they do when they don't feel like it. 
okay? It's what you do when you don't feel like going to the gym and you're dragging ass. What do you do when you wake up the next day? What do you do when somebody's not there watching you? What do you do when you have to either do what it is you know you're supposed to do without somebody there to supervise you or you get to take the playoff because no one's going to know the difference? Those are the things that make up success. And that's not motivation. That's discipline. And welcome to the Roll Call Room podcast that pissed off shitbag Steve Commanders and cost my daddy his job and then pissed them off yet again with his number one book, Mental Health Barricade on Amazon. And now your host, my Uncle Mike and best-selling author, my daddy. Fuck you, Commanders. Up your ass. How are you, my heavenly? <sighs> no, let's first, let's fucking start off with, I still can't hear shit. <laughs> Music? Uh, yeah. Well, I can't, I can't hear my mic, 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 I have to wait for you to say something for me to fucking respond because I can't hear shit. Do you have people that do that now? Now that they like know that? Yeah. 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 A couple. Yeah. Crazy. Walking in the Walking in the hallway, I hear Mike, 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 Mike. Dude, I was at the airport uh, the other day, and an airport cop uh, stopped me while I was um, while I was at the cafe having a nice cold one. And uh, it, was, it was cool to get recognized. Very, very cool. Thank you, everybody out there. Uh, thank you for the beautiful gifts that you all have uh, sent to the PO box. If you want to send us some patches and stamps and stuff like that. Uh, go on rollcallroom.com. The address that is on there, which is the P.O. box, uh, it's the Fortuna Plaza box number 273 in Dumfries, Virginia. Uh, you can send it there. Uh, we love getting stuff. So, you get anything good? You get anything good in the mail lately? So, and you know, it's kind of funny. Um, you know, I um, got a late package from FedEx uh, uh, this morning, uh, no, this evening. Um, I was just really? about to go outside and smoke a pipe. Uh, with tobacco, not marijuana. And, um, and smoking jacket, your smoking jacket. Oh, my smoking jacket. My Hugh Hef- Hef- Hefner. Hefner. Um, so, um, yeah, so I, um, I get this package. It's in this white envelope from FedEx. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? It's got no address, like no return address or anything on it. And it had some company, like, just I don't know why. So I opened it up, and um, what was odd was there was a card in there, um, and there was this box, like this little box. And um, I made the mistake of opening the card first, and it said on the outside, it said, congratulations. Oh, that's nice. 
Uh, yeah, it was like, you know, since the book is number number one um, in the mental health um, uh, mental health category, I thought that, that somebody had sent me this very meaningful uh, card. Uh, so I open it up. There's no writing in it, but it just says press. So I'm like, oh. And my brother gets me these cards all the time where you open them up and you have to press. And it's like they, it has like an annoying saying that just keeps going on. So I open this up next to my youngest daughter. Emily, who's, um, you know, 14 years old, and um, I hit the button, and this is what I get. Yeah, folks, um, that's exactly what you're hearing. And then I realized that if you shut the card, it's still continues to keep going on so what do i do like anybody does i rip open where the mechanism is so that i can pull the batteries out or rip the speaker out and there is a glitter bomb inside where the battery container is so that Glitter goes all over and is now all over the studio because I just opened it up again and apparently it was not enough. Why the fuck is this not shutting off? All right. All right. We get it. You're having fun. All right. Stop. Stop. Why is she not shutting off? Why is she? I got it to shut off before. Okay. All right, stop, stop. Oh my god. Love it. Oh my god, there's so many fucking sprinkles all over. Shh. Stop. She's not shutting off. I the batteries are glued. It's not Oh my god, it's just pouring out. The I can't get it to stop coming out. The fucking... All right! I don't want to break it, but... All right, I got to pull it. Oh, my God. Fucking confetti just keeps on coming. All right, I got her to shut up. So then... I had to put that in a drawer uh, uh. to figure out how to dismantle it. And you can hear this young lady having pleasure uh, through the drawer that I put her in. And I move on to the box. And I open up the box, and it's a big chocolate penis. And as you open it, it says on the box, on the inside, it says, you are a dick. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> so now folks, it is official that there is in full effect on the Roll Call Room podcast a prank war. Oh bullshit. Bullshit. Sorry, Motherfucker. How much how many boxes? How many boxes? Look, I got one in front of me. Look. You sent me Men's My Little Pony Fan Club, box one of 36. 
Do you think somebody, the, the mailman, you know how many people saw that? Oh, fucking tons of people saw it. Oh, oh, and here, I have a spe- special guests coming but coming behind me. Uh, they want to hear the card. What? They hear oh, the- no, I ripped the thing out. I, <laughs> I ripped the thing out. They're going to have to hear it on the replay because I ripped the, the wire out. I couldn't get it to stop. Oh, you're such a dick. Look. He opened the card and fucking exploded. Oh, my God. Who, who would... Go. Who would? (laughs) Who would send you something like that? You, you. I'll be honest with you, bro. When I first you ate. No, I didn't eat. You ate the dick, didn't you? I am gonna eat it. I am gonna eat it. But where is it? Let me see it. I want to see how big it is. No, it's upstairs. I I didn't bring it down. Um, but uh, so here's the thing. Because you ate it already. So I'll be honest with you. When I got this stuff, uh, I thought that it was—I thought it was one of the city officials at my former agency. <laughs> I've, been, I've been such an asshole lately. That's what I was hoping for. <laughs> I have been—I have been fucking—I've been making them work for that money that they make. And, um, and then I grabbed the bag, and uh, your fucking phone number is on the bag, dude. My phone number was on the bag? Yeah, that's how I figured out it was you. Uh, oh, that sucks. Man. This is supposed to be totally anonymous. Uh, yeah, anonymous <laughs> my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you I, don't uh, know how long I've been fucking know. waiting <laughs> yeah. for you to fucking get that thing. Well, I knew something uh I knew something was up because you had called me earlier on like earlier today and you were like, Hey, Hey, how's everything going? You doing good? Yeah. I was like, yeah. And you were like, anything good coming, come up or anything. And I'm like, no, no, normal. And then when, before we got on the first episode that we taped, cause folks were doing a double, um, Mike was like, um, you could get any packages while you were away. Cause I was away for a week and I had a lot, a lot of packages, like, like my PO box and my home, like stacked up. Packages. Which one was the best though? The big dick. <laughs> Listen, I search um, and search for a peanut butter cock to send you. They have. They, they do. I couldn't find one. I'll send you where I get them from. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'll, I just I'll send you where I get them from. Um, I just I just wanted to say congratulations. You're a big dick, and the only reason that was for the author comment that yeah, you sent. Yeah. Those of you that don't remember from the first ep- the last episode that we recorded called Political Hit Job, uh, we talked about how I made Mike change my name and his contacts to best-selling author. And um, I still have not sent Mike uh, a book <laughs> I still have not sent you a book. No. Yet. No, I-, I don't plan on getting one. Sick. You know something? I you know what's even worse is, is Ernie from Ernie and Joe Crisis Cops did my one of my forwards on my book, and I totally forgot to send him a copy of the book. I felt so bad. He text messaged me before we recorded the first episode, um, the last one that we just did, and I felt so so bad. And the only reason being is, is that I never ever thought that that I would sell that many hardcover books ebooks are different you can go on amazon and then you buy it and then download it so when i had done self-publishing i had only ordered 50 books 
for pre-orders. The pre-orders went above 50. I won't give the exact number. 51. Yeah, 51. Um, <laughs> and a half. <laughs> and, uh, the little readers. I, I like but I like the publishing company that I chose, which is called Book Baby. So those of you that are cops or first responders aspiring to be authors, um, all you got to do is write the book and then hand it off to Book Baby. And they did a phenomenal job uh, dis- dispersing it and then binding it. The book is came out in incredible quality, really, really good. And they did pictures for me. Yes, I had a special edition. It's called the um, Helmet Edition. Um, that's Mike's edition. Uh, comes with pop-ups and uh, no colors because Mike is colorblind. That's right. That's right. Um, but um, I am going to start working on book number two, um, which I would like to ask Mike. No. To please no give consent to the erotic pretty pretty please (laughs) begging you please let me have you write one of the forwards in crayon no it's gotta be magic marker (laughs) okay uh but the next book will be um one of two different titles better be Uh, of me yeah, yeah, that's going to be all about you. Uh, actually, you know what? One of the books you and I can do together, uh, it's called Police Reform. Um, I don't know if, if I'm going to get that out. Like That'll be next year. Any book is going to be next year because this book is well, – I want this book to kind of go for a while. Um, but uh, I appreciate the gift or whatever the fuck you want to call this thing. There's, there's literally fucking – Little circle confetti all over the place in my fucking studio. It's on the floor. Just so you know, I could have opted for the dick-shaped glitter bomb. I thought that would have been good, but I didn't. I didn't get that one. Only you. Yeah, I love you, buddy. Congratulations on your book. I'm proud. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. And um, you know, I <clears throat> the book's my copy. <laughs> uh, I will send you out uh, all of you a copy uh, autograph too, uh, just just for all of you except for Lisa. Um, no, you got to put you got to put still not still in the book. Um, but um, you know this the book started out as uh, as therapy. Uh, my therapist had recommended that I just sit down and kind of just journal and, and do shit and uh well, it was better than i mean that therapist was actually better i mean the first therapist just told you to masturbate all day long and he repeatedly touched me yeah was, so i mean i, I like the second guy better yeah it was super weird uh, i mean the first seven or 18 times i didn't think it was weird but right around the 19th time that's when he looked in your eyes he looked yeah, he deep, deep over. into your soul. Yeah, he turned me over. <laughs> he was like, don't look away. Enjoy this as much as I have enjoyed the last 18. And I said, <laughs> might be time to shop around. So <laughs> now he's not my therapist. We just see each other on a um, semi-weekly basis. <laughs> we uh, we social distance. Um, so, <clears throat> Mike. Um, Let's get a uh, let's get a little uh, 
let's get a little serious for this episode for a minute. Um, what are we thinking about these feds coming into these, uh, these cities because their uh, politicians are refusing to take action. Yeah, I've been watching these fucking videos of these like little minivans coming. These guys in dark outfits. That's fucking, fucking badass. Ninja it. And, that is, uh, that is badass. <laughs> that shit's badass. Yeah, but but you know we used to do that back in the in like street crimes kind of. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Rent a, rent a van and then yep. stake out a wanted person and then grab them. But I'm more or less talking about like you got like Portland, you got um, you know Chicago where Antifa or whatever the fuck you want to call these folks that are that are going around. Uh, you're not protesters. Um, you know, I was listening to um, AG Barr's testimony to the Judicial Committee. Um, you know, and they're sitting there trying to defend these um, um, these rioters uh, that are putting nails inside of uh, commercial grade fireworks and throwing them at officers. And uh, if you look at that Seattle, um, uh, not Seattle, the Chicago one where they were protecting the uh, Columbus um, the statue, yeah, and um, they formed formulated as a brigade. They put up their their um, umbrellas. Um, you can see Chicago had video of of a certain person laying out frozen cans and frozen, you know, basically um, items to throw at these Chicago police officers uh, to hurt them. And then and they did. They hurt a lot of them. And yeah, I mean, look, I mean, you know, we were at City Hall. <clears throat> Batteries, eggs. You know, you know, everything getting thrown at you. You know, listen, I'm all for protest. You want to protest? Good. You know, it's it's our God given right. It's our it's our right to, to protest. Freedom of speech. Right, right, right. But Respect, once you take you know, once you take it to that next level, it's 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 domestic terrorism, man. It's not it's not it's not protest. Yeah, I just I, I don't know when enough is enough. I don't know you know, there is a large silent majority. Uh, and those of you that are not in law enforcement and you are part of that silent majority, you better start speaking up. You better start speaking up because these cops, they're at the breaking point. They're done. And uh, Assistant Chief, uh, by the time this episode comes out, it'll be a couple of weeks. You had a very high-ranking Chicago Assistant Chief of Police uh, shoot and kill themselves yesterday, number 99. Uh, at the time, when you listen to this, would probably be well over 100. Um, that's a that's a high ranking official in Chicago. Yeah, I saw that. That's, yeah, that's, that's a fucking wake up call. Um, I just I don't understand. I don't I don't know when is enough is enough. I don't I I, I got to be honest. I don't care what po- a political affiliate you are, like what affiliation you have. Um, you know whether you're you're Democrat or, or you're Republican, you can't. You can't turn around and tell me that those are peaceful protests. You just can't. Sorry. Um, I'm all for the federal government coming in and and um, you know and and doing the job for uh, municipalities that refuse to allow the police to do their job. Right. Uh, you know, like Portland is a fucking like Portland and Seattle. I mean, the fact. Who was it? So 
I was talking to somebody that works uh, over in Seattle. Um, they pretty like much. Oh yeah, they pretty much. They pretty much cut the balls out from underneath them. They're not allowed any less lethal force when dealing with rioters. Um, so pretty much the chief of police and I love this lady. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I talk a lot about bad leadership, but let's recognize good leadership for a second. First of all, uh, she's a female in law enforcement, um, uh, and she holds a very high ranking. She's the chief of police for Seattle. She basically tells the public, listen, the next riot that you guys have, you better bunker down because we ain't coming because I'm not putting my officers in the line of, of danger. Uh, when the city council or whatever their form of government is, is cutting the balls out from underneath them. And you're going to see a lot of that. We just heard today that uh, 200 different organizations, uh, two, 200 different agencies are now refusing to provide protection for the Democratic National Committee. Uh, 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 convention. Convention, yeah. The DNC. Yeah. Um, and I can't blame them. I can't blame Why them. Why should I? Yeah, exactly. You know, and you're you're allowing the NFL to fucking allow social uh, social justice or social social justice messages in the end zones and on. Oh, the- what, what about the governor of New York, Cuomo? He's going to allow MTV Music Awards, and and this is getting on something different, but uh, you know, well, right along the same road. You're getting, you know, that can happen, but you're not going to have the 9/11. Um, ceremonies like you always do. That's disgraceful. That's just disgraceful. You know, I, I just, um, I mean, it, I mean, it's, it's still, that, that's something that just pisses me off. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's the, the democratic or it's the political agenda of everybody, you know, what's going to happen in 2020? What, you know, what's going to happen? Uh, I'm sorry. What's going to happen after November? You know, like I really don't yeah. You know, my, yeah. my fear my fear is is that if we don't get in, in front of this pretty soon, you know, we're already setting back our profession by five years. I'm getting messages from officers between the years of five to fifteen that are asking me, you know, uh, I'm seriously thinking about getting out. And um, you know, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not a psychiatrist. I've told that told you fans that a million times. I can only tell you how I've been since I've been out since April. Um I missed the job. Yeah, I love that job. The job was my life. But my love for the job or what the job was and what it is now, that's an ex-girlfriend now. That's mm-hmm. not that's not that's not a girl I'm willing to date right now. Right. Um, you know and, and, and policing from today is gonna be different tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then I can't even imagine next year at this time. Mm-hmm. What a police department's going to look like. You're taking, you're taking that, you're taking the job out of the cops' hands. You're taking, you know, cops can't be cops. I mean, these guys roll around in patrol cars. They don't want to do anything because you know what? One, they're going to get in trouble. They're mm-hmm. going to get fired, or they're going to get killed. Yeah, plain and simple. Yeah, and that's see, that's what concerns me is what are our what are our academies going to look like starting very very soon because. We're repeating the same mistakes that we made when we did the 21st century policing model. Uh, one of the things that I, I started to do was started to do research because one of the book, there's two different books that I want to do after Police Mental Health Barricade. One of them is called Police Reform. And one of the things I started to do was I started to do research about uh, the 21st century policing report and now the new 
um, law enforcement reform committee that uh, President Trump has put together. And unfortunately, we're repeating the same mistakes that we've repeated in the past, which is when you look at the 21st century policing report and you look at the pillars that are in that report, um, look at who was on the committee for the 21st century policing report. A lot of academia, a lot of professors, a lot of people from academia, and a lot of chiefs of police, people that have not ridden around in a RMP or a patrol car in, in decades, decades, academia who um, has law degrees, um, I'm, I'm sorry, degrees in criminal justice or have gone online class or whatever the fuck they do, have never turned around and have dealt with a suicidal subject at 3.30 in the morning after you've been up all night because you had court the morning before. You can't turn around and turn around and write policy or reform because you don't know the fucking job. And then you look at uh, the new um, law enforcement reform committee, and we have we have one boots on the ground guy that's on that committee. Thank heaven. Um, but how much of a voice do you really think that that guy has with the stack of people that are on that committee? Because again, it's academia, it's chiefs of police. I would like to see a 50-50 split of a, of a police reform uh, committee. I would like to see somebody that's a 25-year salty veteran that's been knuckle-dragger their entire career, that didn't climb the ranks, that decided that being in patrol was the place for them. They're going to give you the best insight of what they've seen. And we just continue to keep repeating that mistake. We don't ask guys like that. No, because you just – you just get the chiefs that drank the Kool-Aid. Look what I've done for my department. Look what I've done. Look what I've done. But they're not out there. Like you said, they're not out there running job to job, dealing with the public, dealing with these assholes throwing shit at us, you know, dealing with getting getting in trouble because this person said, you know, they were rude to me or, or, you know, cuffing somebody and locking somebody up and they're, you know, they were too rough. The cops were too rough. They're, they're not, all it is is just them saying, oh, well, look what I've done for my department. This is going to work throughout the, throughout the whole reform. It's bullshit. Get your fucking asses in a patrol car, come out in the streets, work with the cops, and then, then I'll give you some credit. Well, yeah, I know you've done that before. Yeah. But when these, you know, 35, 40 year, chiefs that have you know x amount of time on a job policing is totally different now from when they were when they were running a patrol car and i guarantee back in those days when they were running rolling around they were actually beating the shit out of people and just right. leave yeah they weren't reporting uses of forces back then no. and, then, and 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 here comes the thing is is that a lot of officers are seeing their fellow officers Having justifiable, justifiable um, uses of force, and they're getting arrested. It's bullshit. They get fired. So, what's the incentive for me as a brand new officer coming into this profession? What's the incentive for me to turn around and get out of the car and to stop somebody and get in their pockets? There is no incentive. No. There is no incentive because the pendulum has swung. If I do traffic stops. And I get one citizen complaint. My word means jack shit compared to the violator. And that's what's happening. Yeah. 
and and you know those cops that are getting arrested and and getting charges brought up on them for doing their job. Yeah, yeah, and it's horseshit. It's horseshit. Yeah. Well, you know, they're, you know, just, they're just the sacrificial uh, lamb. You know, well, look what I. You know, well, we he was justifiable doing it, but you know what? The public might not see it. So what? Let's fuck them. Yeah. And see, that's the problem is there's a lot of political pawns out there right now where, you know, these officers are doing a good job, but, you know, they're the politics are, you know, we can't afford to be the next Minneapolis. We can't afford to be the next Ferguson. We can't. I, you can't look at it that way. You can't. It, right is right. Wrong is wrong. And, and, and politics should not have nothing to fucking do with it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know what? Grow a pair of fucking balls. Mm-hmm. You got these protesters fucking coming. If they're destroying the fucking town, you go after them. You lock them up. That's what we fucking do. We lock yeah. people up, breaking the law. Oh, you know, the mayor of New York City saying, oh, you know, let them, you know, let them get out their frustrations. Let them get out their frustrations. All right. Burn, uh, you know, over 100 and uh, something NYPD cars, you know. Break into all these stores, take all the merchandise, let them let them vent. Really, that doesn't have it. And you know that's what burns me is is that 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 has nothing to do with that has nothing to do with the demonstration. It has nothing to do with um. It has nothing to do with George Floyd. It has nothing to do with that. Like that message is completely that com- that message is completely gone at this point. I mean, you, you, you talk to any cop and you think that what, what happened to George Floyd was right or wrong. And almost every cop does not agree with what mm-hmm. happened. You know? Yeah. Listen. No, no, I agree. I, I became a cop to serve the community. It sounds stupid. It sounds, you know, but you know what? That's what we did. That's what we do. We help people. You know, I, I didn't take the job to to just have a gun and, and, you know, beat the shit out of people. But you know what? If someone's coming at me, I'm going home at night. I'm going to yeah. do what I got to do to get home to my family. And that's it. And if that means I got to fucking punch somebody in the face, well, then you know what? So be it. I'll, I'll punch somebody in the face. What happened to we're allowed to use enough force to stop a threat? I just don't think everything blown blown out of the window for political agenda. Yeah, I just don't. I think those those days are over, my friend. I think no, absolutely. That's I, why I can't wait to get the fuck out. If they let you out, yeah, that's true. If they let you out, that's that's the other problem. There's so many, um, you know, there's so many uh, uh, people leaving right now that mm-hmm. you know, it's just going to get to the point where they're going to start limiting the amount of people that are even allowed to leave. Yeah, which is scary. I mean, that's just scary, man. Um, you know, I just, I, I just, I worry about the future. But yeah, Listen, uh, reform is good. But you know what? It's got to be. It's 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 got to conform to to. You know, we have a job, and, and our job is to protect, serve, and whatever. Yeah, I mean, I. Uh, man, I, I hope I hope we get to that point. But 
Listen, I'm gonna, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about a couple other things that are going on in the news. So just uh, chill out, folks, and uh, we'll be right back. Hey folks, I'm so excited about this brand new sponsor, Ferocious Beard Company. This company is fantastic. They have a lot of great assortments of beard wax, wash, and oils. They've got apparel, they've got soaps, they've got a whole bunch of different things. Go to ferociousbeard.com, use promo code ROLLCALLROOM, and you get 20% off. I absolutely love their products. Telling you, I've used a lot of different beard products. Mike and I have been searching for a beard company for a long time as a sponsor, and we finally found the best company out there, which is Ferocious Beard Company, and they're out of uh, Fort Worth, Texas, okay? Go on ferociousbeard.com, use promo code ROLLCALLROOM, and you get 20% off. Um, I am very, very happy to have uh, Sarah and Chris. Chris, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. So Chris was on a previous episode um, called Knock at the Door. Uh, Really, really good uh, episode. If you have not checked that out, you should. Um, If you're a fan of the Roll Call Room, you should have checked. You you should be up to date. There's no excuse for that. Um, So uh, I am extremely happy to have Sarah on from Chicago. Sarah was a law enforcement officer for 15 years. Um, and, um, Chris reached out to me and said, uh, you know, what do you, uh, you know, would you mind talking to Sarah and you've got this, uh, thing that you're interested in doing and falls right into the parameters of what the roll call room podcast is. So Sarah, I'm going to turn it over to you. Tell us about yourself. Tell us, uh, you know, I just said you were in law enforcement for 15 years where you started your career. What was your ultimate, uh, goal when you first started, um, and then when did you start seeing that that original ultimate goal of getting into law enforcement started to diminish um, as time went on? So I know I just threw a lot at you, <laughs> but I like confusing people. And um, you're doing a damn fine job, Nick. Thank you. Well, it's only a matter of time before Chris's um, uh, Internet goes out. Uh, right now. <laughs> uh, let's monopolize the time that we have. Uh, before her crappy internet goes out. So welcome to Illinois. <laughs> so tell us about yourself. Uh, born and raised in Illinois. I was actually on track to be a firefighter um, and was testing. And then I saw Bad Boys 2 and decided I wanted to be <laughs> white lesbian Will Smith. <laughs> I said, fuck the fireside. I'm going to go be Will and uh, tested for Seattle uh, at 22. And those suckers took me. So, 22? Sure. Yeah. You know everything at 22. Oh, right? I was barely old enough to write the booze tickets on Frat Row. <laughs> well, let me, let me stop you for a second. You didn't go into the fire side. Was that because you do not sleep a lot? 
No. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, an aversion to lazy boys. Oh, oh. Uh, do you yeah. do you happen to cook well? Uh, March, I barbecue. I can barbecue. I can grill. Okay, so you're fifty percent. You passed the right. our academy. When you go grocery shopping, do you coupon clip? Well, yes, but I don't drive a big red truck. I got to tell you, you may have been. I just took an aptitude test for you, and my aptitude test says that you do qualify for the fire side. It's just. Mm-hmm. But she's a volunteer on the That's, fire side I am now. A so. Volunteer firefighter in my tiny little town. Yeah. So of course you are. See how? Listen. Me and Dr. Phil, we go to the same 7-Eleven. So we're pretty much the same person. All right? Continue. I'm impressed. I, I, got, I got sidetracked. <laughs> um, so started out in Seattle. Absolutely adored it. Um, it was my first time meeting hippies. Um, <laughs> and knowing that you could wear wool socks with the Birkenstocks. <laughs> oh, my God. A whole new education out there. Um, but it was it was really great while I was there. The guys that I worked with were phenomenal, but it is a totally different culture than, than here. We had to hide everything. They drilled it into us into Academy that you didn't tell anybody what you did. Everything owned went into a trust. Um, so did that, loved it. Um, but lost my dad back in 2010. Um, and so I decided it was, you know, when mama says, come home, you come home. So uh, made the trip back, got hired on uh, by my local Kane County um, and was a deputy for them. Um, all totaled 17 years or 15 years between the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did some undercover out in Seattle. And when I was out there, it was a busy time. It's when um, there was a lot of officer involved shootings. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of a mind screw when I was there. And then I took that baggage and, I hauled it with me to Illinois um, and then got on County. And again, the guys were great. Um, and then became a hostage negotiator for them. Um, and, and saw some pretty, some pretty intense stuff there. And uh, probably the last three, three or four years, um, I could feel the decline. I knew I was, I was losing a little piece of my soul every time I logged into shift. Ugh. So, but you know, we, we do what we do. You get in the car, you put it, put it in a box, you'll deal with it later. Um, and, and that's what I did. Uh, until we got a new sheriff, um, Ron Hain came in. I think he's been in almost two years now. He came in, rose the ranks. He was actually, um, why I got hired to begin with when I got hired, he was, he came through the line at my dad's funeral and said, your dad was amazing. He helped my family out a lot. When, when he, um, when we lost my mom, he goes, you ever, you ever move back? Give me a call. So I gave him a call. He got me hired. And then lo and behold, he goes to Sergeant and then goes to Sheriff. Um, so he's a real down to earth guy. Um, and he started offering all this mental health help at work. And, Let's see, a year and a half ago, um, I think it was like March, we're sitting there in a roll call training um, about mental health and this place called Transformations down in Florida um, that you could go for addiction or PTSD if you were struggling with either one of those. And I remember sitting there going, yeah, fucking right. Nobody's going to raise their hand and be like, you know what? 
every once in a while I think about maybe nibbling my gun or, or I haven't slept in years because of night terrors or whatever. So, um, I sat there and it was like, he was talking to me and I knew I needed to go, but I was like, there's no fucking way. I'm not getting shipped away for 30 days. Um, and then, uh, and then came along May of the same year, everything in my life was, was tanking. Um, I felt like I couldn't keep my head above water. The night terrors were getting worse. Mm-hmm. Um, marriage was kind of, wasn't in a great spot. We had been separated and then we were getting back together, but having the same problems again. And, uh, and then I had this guy come out and talk to, I was one of my last stations was being the um, school resource officer at our in our local school district. And I had this guy, Rich Wostocki, come out and talk about cyber crimes because he's a cyber crime guru, but he was also, he's also a stakeholder at this transformations. And he had been out for this March roll call training. And so I asked him as I'm walking him to his car that day, he does the presentation. And I said, you know, I mean, how's that whole transformation things going? He said, you know, actually really well when your sergeants just came back and I said, excuse me. And, uh, he said, yeah. Um, he had one of your sergeants step forward, said, you know, I, I need some help. And, uh, and he got it. And I said, well, I didn't hear a fucking thing about that. Yeah. And, uh, he said, I told you it was confidential. And he goes, and I mean it, he goes, nobody knows unless he wants them to know. And he looked at me and he said, Sarah, you only have to say three words. I need help. And tears just start coming out of my head. Completely uncontrollable. I'm trying to, I cannot get him down a side hallway at the school fast enough because it's the last place you want to have tears. And, uh, and I couldn't even tell him because I couldn't even put into words everything that was going on. It still gives me goosebumps. And he said, we're going to get you help. Um, and on June 2nd of 2019, um, I checked into transformations and it saved my life. It saved my marriage. Um, and I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today if it wasn't for that life change. And if that opportunity hadn't been afforded me because I couldn't, my insurance, Clark County insurance sucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but between the sheriff and transformations, they foot the bill for everything. Wow. Um, they found a way to make it work. So, I mean, the boss man meant it. He called me when I, uh, Rich said, we're going to, we're going to get you on a flight. And he said, do you want me to tell the sheriff? And I said, well, you know, that the other sh- sergeant who went, did he tell the sheriff? And he said, yeah. I said, all right, we'll tell him. And 10 minutes later, he was on the phone with me and he said, Sarah, where are you at? And are you safe? And I said, yeah, yeah, boss, I'm at home. I'm with the wife. She's, she's good. He goes, you know, you feel safe there? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, if anything changes between now and your flight, he goes, you call me, I'll come pick you up. You can stay at my house. We'll make sure you're safe. And, uh, and before he hung up, man, gets me kind of choked up thinking about it. He told me, he goes, he goes, I love you, Sarah. And like, nobody's boss says that nobody's boss gives a shit like that, but he did. Um, and it meant the world. And I think like that was my ray of hope. And, uh, and when I came back from there, so I went for PTSD, um, and they have a program at Transformations called Help for Heroes, and it's only for first responders and VA. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just got to be with my, my brothers and sisters down there. Um, the military side, I was a little worried about that, but they just, man, they loved us. They're like, you know, you protect home. We, 
we'd protect abroad. We're all the same family. Um, but the, the problem with coming home from that was if, if I had an addiction, I could go to AA, NA, CA, whatever, one of the A meetings. But when you have PTSD, you don't have shit. Yep. And I'm not going to a fucking NAMI meeting. I mean, I'm sure they're great, but I can't sit there and tell you about the last guy who got his head blown off in front of me. Yep. I can tell you about the last shitty hostage situation. Um, and <laughs> so I feel like I'm Mike. Sorry. I, uh, <laughs> so I have been searching ever since I got back. I got back on July 2nd of 2019 and since then i've stayed in therapy i'm doing emdr which if anybody doesn't know who that is google that shit that'll save your life um and learn to communicate with my wife and and i said you know there's fucking no place for me to go i'm used to going to meetings like daily and it was driving me up a wall and so um i started we live on a farm and um i was out in the field more and more we're, uh, we actually grow organic garlic. So um, I'm just out there pulling weeds, toiling in the soil and finding myself getting centered and grounded and working my way back to calm and back in the zone, like how I used to be when I was down at this transformations. Um, and then my, we get gifted a horse and horses need friends. So then we have these two baby goats and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? And then it turns out these two baby goats are the best thing ever. Um, for whatever reason, I can go down to the barn when I'm having a shit day and hang out with buddy and Finnick and like my head calms down and the anger comes down and the rage stops and my head stops and I'm just in the moment. And I realized, um, well, holy shit, if this works for me, Maybe it'll work for somebody else. And then I got a phone call from a friend at work that said, hey, man, I'm struggling. I'm, they had gone to for treatment, too. And they're like, there's nothing for us here. Can I just come out to the farm? I said, fuck, yeah, come out here. And now I, this person is a regular now. They come out, see, see the, the goats and the horse. And I'm like, man, I think there's something to this. And my wife and I talked about it. And I said, I feel drawn like God's moving something needs to go on here and if, if it's not I don't have what I need so let's make it and and that's how Harvesting Hope project was born um, and that uh, is what we're just created we're running off the farm um, I reached out to a counselor friend and said hey how do I do this what the fuck am I doing I just know that I want to get First responders out here, cops, ER nurses, dispatchers, firefighters, EMS, um, corrections, get them out here and let's have like peer groups. I don't need to shrink. Let's just talk, be sober and talk. And uh, she gave me, she said, I'm going to start handing your phone number out to some folks. And then I get this call from, from Jim. Um, My buddy. And, and we talk and we hit it off and Jim's awesome and he's on fire for it and I'm on fire for it. And he says, you know, can I, can I give your name to, to Christy? And I said, yeah, sure. And man, ever since then, it's been a whirlwind. And now August 9th, we're going to have our first event on the farm. Um, and really, I just, I feel so passionate 
about getting help to other people because it's not just, I mean, selfishly, it helps me just like if anybody's read the, the big book from AA, like somebody who doesn't have PTSD can't help somebody, you know, with PTSD and an addict can't, a, a non-addict isn't going to have the same impact as an addict would. You got to be there. You got to walk in the shoes. And so like, I don't think God gave me PTSD, but I think there's, there's a hope to that. There's a silver lining and that's okay. I'm going to take my fucked up mess and I'm going to help you get through your fucked up mess. And maybe we can help some other folks along the way. And so that's. Well, I'll tell you this. Um, you pretty much mirrored the reason why the show exists and the reason why I wrote the book that I wrote, which was my law enforcement career was over, but I felt like I was saving more lives doing what I was doing than um, strapping up and, and being, um, you know, being out on the road. Yeah. Uh, I want to go back to a couple of different things, which is uh, your sheriff is an anomaly. Uh, your sheriff is what the IACP should be pushing out to all of the sheriffs and, sh and chiefs of police because had your sheriff not had your back, would you have gone to that retreat? Hell no. I wouldn't even known it existed. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, see, that's the, that's where that stigma is right now in our profession is everybody wants to ask for the help. It's just, the problem is what's the ramifications for asking for it? Yeah. And that's, that's the shit that's got to stop. Like I know so many departments, my former department was one of them. You just, you don't bring it up because if you do, they're going to fit for due to you. They're going to take your gun. They're going to take your badge. Haunt you. Yeah, you're done. Your, your career is done. Uh, and trying to get into a specialized unit later on in your career, even five, ten years later, that'll come up. It'll be like, well, oh, yeah. remember, so-and-so had that problem. So, um, you know, I think that's, I think that's great that, that he was supportive. But I really do think that, you know, that we need to see more of that stuff. And, um, you know, I talk about a lot on the show. I talk a lot, a lot about it about in the book is, is I think the millennial generation coming into our workforce uh, is going to change, uh, change that is really going to change that. Because as commanders, as sergeants, when I was a sergeant, um, I had to really change the way that I supervised because of millennials. They learn differently. They they work differently. Um, and the mental health piece is huge with them. It's huge. Um, you know, they grew up with their idols dying of suicide and overdoses and so on and so forth. So they're not afraid to step forward and be like, listen, I'm fucked up. That, yeah. that homicide scene fucked me up and I need help. So these chiefs and these sheriffs, you really only have about a year or two to really hone in and start getting ready for these millennials because, these millennials are coming through during this anti-cop time. I think next year is going to be a banner year, like with a major, major mental health crisis in law enforcement. So uh, it's good to see or it's good to hear one that you went and got the help because that's the hardest. That's the hardest part. Um, you know, I waited to get help after I tried to do something. So uh, for me, 
I, I didn't know about the, the resources that were out there. I mean, I'll be honest, which I really didn't look anyway. It wouldn't have made a difference for me. No, we don't look. It's got yeah. to put right in front of your face. Exactly. Like, I needed somebody to turn around the day before I did it and turn around and be like, hey, you look like you're about to kill yourself. How about uh, we take you to a farm? And I probably would have taken somebody up on it. I probably would have been like, they would have said, hey, listen, why don't we go away for the weekend? Why don't we go to a cabin and go away for the weekend? I would have went. Um, I was looking for a savior. I really was. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really uh, what you're trying to do is a great outlet. And I think it's necessary. Um, in Virginia, we have something, some sort of program like that, where uh, you can go out to a farm for uh, you know, a week, two weeks. Uh, awesome. You know, something, there's something about, um, you know, something about uh, having a partnership or a partner uh, in, a, in an animal. Um, I have a service dog. It was supposed to be a service dog, but he's absolutely fucking insane. Um, and now I need a service dog for my service dog. <laughs> um, so you two peas in a pod, basically. <laughs> yeah, but here, here's the thing. I'll tell you his breed. Um, and maybe you know about this breed and maybe you don't. Uh, so he's a Wamaraner. Oh, yeah. Okay. They're fucking insane. <laughs> you, you picked a Wamaraner for a service dog? Go ahead, laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you just get a blue healer and an Italian or a, an Aussie Shepherd? He doesn't sit the fuck down. And <laughs> he, this is what he does, right? He'll take, he'll go and lay on the couch and go to sleep for five minutes. And he's so stupid that he thinks that he slept for four hours. <laughs> so he repeats his running around all fucking day. All day, all day. And I can't take him to a store. Like I can't put a service like harness on because he destroys everything. Like he'll put he'll fucking empty an entire shelf at Walmart. No fucking care. Like he's just like, fuck you. Fuck you and your macaroni and cheese. <laughs> so so now I have this service dog that causes me more anxiety and more PTSD than what I had before. But I I digress. You need a goat. I, yeah, imagine bringing that into fucking Walmart. Well, in Walmart, it wouldn't really. Walmart, <laughs> <laughs> it will fit right in. Stick it in your bag. Yeah, it's funny. Let's bring a fucking turtle with a harness on. Be <laughs> <laughs> done shopping by the time you close. <laughs> um, but as you know, there's an agency here in Virginia. Uh, it's Fairfax County. Uh, the chief of police allowed uh, service dogs to to um, ride with officers that suffer from PTSD. And it actually was a very successful program. Yeah. And he got a lot, a lot of shit about it. A lot. I mean, he's got some, he's got some problems outside of making that decision, <laughs> you know, but it's a, it's, it's a logical like decision. I get it. I understand it. Um, I think it's out of the box thinking. And I think that's some of the stuff that we need to see in our profession. I think um, just, just having peer support groups and EAP, which is a fucking disaster. That's uh, a waste. Uh, you know what? Every officer that I talk to and I say EAP, I get the same look, which is like sucking on a lemon. Yeah. It's like, nah. nah. I use them. I had an officer who died of cancer. I was a sergeant. She was my, uh, she worked for me. 
um, and she died of cancer and, and I was, I was there. I took her every day, every, every chemo appointment she died. And, um, I was struggling. I didn't want to like break down in front of my guys. So I, I called the AP cause I've recommended EAP as a sergeant so many times I called them up and the first 10 minutes on the phone, I was like, Nope, this isn't going to work because in Virginia, you only get three visits. I was going to say, it's like a three visit max. Yeah. It's like, it's like, Hey, we're going to cure you in three visits. Don't you worry. Everything's going to be just fine in three visits. I've been in therapy now. I've been in therapy for a year now. And I'm just as fucked up as I was on day one than I am last week when I talked to her. So I don't know the fuck you're going to do that in three days, in three, uh, three, three visits. So, um, I mean, how close are you to getting it off the ground? Like where, where are we at? Like, um, you got a timeline? Okay, so I we've got a logo that is being finalized. We've got our Facebook page, uh, the Harvest Harvest Hope Project. So it's out there. I actually just shared a picture of what's happening right here, right now on there. Um, we've Damn got. <laughs> Are you, did you take a picture of your dog running around, um, sounding like you're at Jurassic Park? I know, right? Oh, well, it's a, a German Shepherd. Bee stung face yeah. and put it on Facebook. I, I added a bee to it. It's fine. <laughs> um, and and we're we have we just met with the well Sarah met with the attorney and we have all of our um, ducks in a row confidentiality paperwork that's going to mm-hmm. be signed when you come to so that they know you know this is real. We're not. We're not giving out to anybody, you know, we're not giving the location to anybody. We, we've talked about having to make sure that we verify you are first responder, first responder family. Um, we've come up with ways that we're going to do that, which I'm not going to discuss on here, but mm-hmm. there are ways that we can do that. And it's not going through any law enforcement agencies to do that. So, um, you know, that's kept private because we want to make sure everybody is comfortable. And, uh, and when, you know, they, they got me involved, they said, okay, are you ready to do this? How fast do you want it? And we've kind of taken off from there. It's been, it's been a roller coaster of awesome. (laughs) so far. And I think the, the big thing that I want to, um, impress upon folks is we're including families because man, I know when I'm fucked up. That shit rubs off. <laughs> you can try real hard um, to compartmentalize and go home and act like that shit didn't follow you and that it doesn't keep you up at night, but it does. And it affects who you are and how you act. Just ask my kids. But when I got honest and I got real with them, um, I got real with myself. Um, it started, things started changing for the better. And I think that's why it's really important to know you, you got to include your family and things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I think, uh, family is, um, I, you hit it right on the head and I can tell you from experience with this, with this show is, is that, uh, once it gets going and it's going great and you start seeing that you're helping a lot of people, it is a shit show of awesome. It is, it is just a shit show of awesome because there are times where shit that you do is just like, you're like, fuck, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing this for? And then I don't know what it is. Maybe divine intervention. Every time I would think about shutting the show down when I was with my agency still, and they were giving a lot of pressure to shut it down, I'd get an email or I'd get an inbox message on social media saying, Hey, I listen to your show or, 
you know, hey, I'm getting help now. And, and, and that's what makes it worth it. And um, you should always go with the premise of just save one. And that's always what we did with our show. And I mean, you'll save many. I mean, it, what you're what you're trying to do is just it's it's amazing. And I wish you guys a lot of luck with it. Thank you, thank you for giving us a chance to get our voices out there. So, do you you said you have your Facebook up, uh, Chris? So, what's the what's the Facebook um, at that they can uh, they can find? It's- so it's the Harvesting Hope. I can send you the link. So okay, we have that out there. Um, we've we've got fifty one followers already, and I had her get it up last Woo-hoo. week. Yep. So oh. it's important to share share it out there, like it, um, and then I just added a message button on as we were sitting here. So if you're ready to message, you can message us through there, or you could contact us. And, and I know I've given my phone number before, um, but best way to contact eight one five nine five five nine nine seven zero. Or Sarah's at 360-920-3573. And yeah, if, I don't know if that shows up in your phones. I still kept my Washington number, so I know when those asshole solicitors call. <laughs> I won't, I won't up. Um, okay, so what we'll do is, is folks that are listening to this, just look at your radio, and those will be on your radio as you're listening to this episode. In addition, if you go to the description of this episode, that information will be there. Uh, before I let you guys go, there is one other, other thing that I did want to uh, speak about. I wrote it down on my um, uh, Nick, Nick Alzheimer's uh, pad that I have here. Um, you said that you grow organic garlic. Is that code word for weed? I, I can neither confirm nor deny. Okay. All right. <laughs> I can confirm it's garlic. Yeah, it's garlic. All right. Nobody believes it. there too. I yes. need to talk about I need some honey. Yes. Local honey for my allergies. Oh my God, you country people. (laughs) Don't be a hater. Oh my God. All right, folks. So uh, I want to thank I want to thank Chris and I want to thank Sarah for coming on. Uh, again, take a look at your uh, radio, and you'll see all the information on there. Go into the description, and we will be right back. We're going to take a break. You don't know what you got till it's gone. Knowing it's right till it's wrong. It's such a perfect when you had it with you all alone. You broke your heart down with ease. Now I'm thinking. Good afternoon. 375 million interactions with the public every year. 375 million interactions. Overwhelmingly positive responses. Overwhelmingly positive responses. But I read in the papers all week, we all read in the papers, that in the black community, mothers are worried about their children getting home from school without being killed by a cop. What world are we living in? That doesn't happen. It does not happen. I am not Derek Siobhan. They are not him. He killed someone. We didn't. We are restrained. And you know what? I'm saying this to all the cops here. Because you know what? Everybody's trying to shame us. The legislators, the press, everybody's trying to shame us into being embarrassed about our profession. Well, you know what? This isn't stained by someone in Minneapolis. It's still got a shine on it. And so did theirs. So do theirs. 
Stop treating us like animals and thugs and start treating us with some respect. That's what we're here today to say. We've been left out of the conversation. We've been vilified. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Trying to make us embarrassed of our profession. 375 million interactions. Overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly positive. Nobody talks about all the police officers that were killed in the last week in the United States of America, and there were a number of them. We don't condone Minneapolis. We roundly reject what he did as disgusting. It's disgusting. It's not what we do. It's not what police officers do. Our legislators abandoned us. The press is vilifying us. Well, you know what, guys? I'm proud to be a cop, and I'm going to continue to be proud to be a cop until the day I retire. And that's all I have to say. Oh, that guy, uh, one of the one of the union uh, leaders, uh, really going off there about being vilified by the by the press. You know, um, so I'm reading this article about uh, up in Massachusetts. Uh, they want to require officers to have their own liability coverage in order for them to be police officers. This municipality up in Massachusetts does this at four o'clock in the morning. They hold a um, public hearing, uh, and they unanimously pass this legislation at four o'clock in the morning. Um, it's unbelievable, man. I mean, this is what our politicians are doing. They're 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 blatantly uh, sidetracking the citizens and and the silent majority of folks that support the police uh, to push their own agenda. I just don't get it, man. I really just don't get it. It's ridiculous. I don't know anybody that's going to be able to afford their own liability insurance. Um, and then the other thing is, is that why would you want to <laughs> keep this job if you have to hold your own liability insurance? Like, what is your premium going to be? Um. And uh, that's my fear is, is with this police reform, the type of police reform that organizations or I use that term loosely with, you know, like BLM and other organizations, um, their idea of uh, law enforcement reform is to abolish law enforcement altogether. And we see how that's worked out. I mean, Chicago showing all time high in shootings, New York City showing all time high in shootings, Seattle looks like a fucking war zone. Uh, Portland looks like a goddamn war zone. Um, you know, I just, I just don't know, man. I really it's only don't gonna know. get worse. I really do think Sad. so, my friend. I really think it's about to get really, really bad for for this profession. I really do. Um, but I want to, um, I want to end or do this last segment. I've gotten quite a few people that have um, taken notice that you are uh, from the New York area and you have a very thick. Uh, Am I? You got a thick accent. 
thick New York accent. So I went no. ahead and I did some research. Really? And I found some words that New Yorkers say that are funny. Uh, that are different than to everybody say them? else. You're going to have to say them out loud. I am going to text you the word, and you are going to say it out loud. They got pictures? I need pictures. Are you re- I don't know some of these words. Go. I I know I know read. I know read. Okay, first first word. Out loud, please. Park. Park. Like, like what, what is it? Park a car. Park a car or hey, let's go to the park. I want you to what? say it like what? you normally say it. And stop trying to sound. Try and stop trying to change the way you say, you say stuff. Because this first one, you get an F. Because I know you're trying to alter your fucking speech. No, I'm not. It's a park. It's a natural. Yeah. Okay. A park. Pack. Okay. No, Next it's a park. one coming up. A, no, no, no. I'm not from Boston. It's not pack. It's a park. Here we go. Here's the second one. Nurse. Okay. Another one. This is a big one. This is a big one. Water. <laughs> it's water. <laughs> water. 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 It's it's water. water. It's water. There's another one coming your way. Coffee. 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 There's another one coming your way. River. Down by the river. <laughs> Such. Because another one, fear. People say fear wrong. How how do you say fear? Well, not the way that you say it. How, how do you say it? Uh, fear. Fear. How do I say it? Weird. Next one. Sunday. <laughs> Is this the fucking compiled list? Yeah, Tuesday. I found it. So we got Sunday, and then we have Tuesday. Talk. 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 Come on, man. Let's go talk. Talk. Cammy must be okay, loving this it. This is a good one. This is a good one. Unbelievable. <laughs> Long Island. Long Long Island. It's Long Island. Long Island. There we go. Here's another one. Going. There's a G at the end of that. Going. Yeah, <laughs> you said it right the first time. Your New York way is going, 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 going. Fuck your G. Fuck your G. I'm going to Long Island to talk to a nurse and get some water by the river and have some coffee over here. That was the next word. Here. <laughs> here. 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 Okay, I got one. I got one. This is a sentence. Read it out loud. Well, you, you fucking you said it wrong. <laughs> if you want me to say, yeah, there you go. Okay, go ahead. Get out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here. It's get out of here. But the first one you wrote, get our. I was of, typing it fast. Get I don't our, want her to be silent. Get our of here. It's, oh, here's another one. it's get out of here. Forget about it. Oh, how did oh, you know? Oh, boom. Jinx. Damn, son. 
All right. Um, one more. Who compiled this list? I found it online. New York things people from New York say funny. <sighs> and last, last and final one. Verbatim, please. Oh shit! My phone just died. Nope. I'm gonna need you to read that one. I don't know what it said. Out loud, please. It said Nick's penis is very small. <laughs> you fucking piece of shit. You're <laughs> such a piece of shit. No, you got to do me a favor. You got to send me a picture of that dick in a box. Oh my god, dude! It. I. Major, major kudos to you for that. Major, major, major kudos. Well worth the money. Oh, was it? Well worth the money. Love you, buddy. Yeah. The prank war is on, no, it's my friend. You. No, it's not. My it's ma- gonna be listen, on. my mailman. You know, like COVID, he like threw the mail. Now he goes in front of my house and he like Tyvexes up and then just drops the mail off. He looks at me. Sometimes he winks. You know, My Little Pony. What was the other one you did? You did my- uh, sex toy. Sex toy. Sex toy. Uh, sex toy. My, my Little Pony fan club. My Little Pony fan club. Um, What was the other one? Oh, wait. I got it right here. It was Mike's Dildos. Um... Emporium. Uh, yeah, it was uh, Mike's Adult Store and Adult Toys. Yeah, 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 yeah. And who uh, started that shit? You did, motherfucker. So how was it a war? I hit you with one. You got me like four times. <laughs> so technically, I still got to get you back three more times. No, no, no. You should have done it when it happened. Um, so folks, uh, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Um, Mike and I had a fantastic time making it. I want to thank Steph and, um, her friend for coming on this episode and giving us, uh, some insight into some resources that they're working on, uh, in, um, the Chicago area. Um, if you have not checked out Police Mental Barricade, a survivor's guide to poor law enforcement leadership, please do so at rollcallroom.com. Use promo code uh, STIGMA, just STIGMA, not a, uh, and uh, you'll get a special discount on it. It is available on Amazon Kindle right now, and hopefully by the time this episode comes out, it'll be available on Audible. Uh, in addition, we do have merchandise available on rollcallroom.com that helps keep the lights on. Um, and uh, helps us keep the cause going. If you have gotten the book, I'm asking that you please go on Amazon and please leave a review. The more reviews, the more people read it, the more we can help people. It's not about the money. It's about helping people get the book. So I got to wait to get my That's book. what I got. Yeah, you're going to get your book. Yeah. Don't you worry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mike, what do you have as a parting gift to our fans who have tentatively waited all day to listen to this episode? My four by guys, uh, you know who you are. Love you guys. Be safe. I see those guys whenever I do my night tours. They love the show. Big fans. Every time I see them, they laugh. You know, stay safe. You guys need anything, you know where I'm at. Everyone else, stay safe. Nick, you're a dick. Uh, I love you, brother. Thank you. I love you, buddy. Uh, And also, folks, we still have a lot of posters left. If you like a poster, please email me at nick at rollcallroom.com or mike at rollcallroom.com. We have autographed posters ready to go. 
Um, check out our PO box, which is on rollcallroom.com. If you want to send us coins, patches, books of stamps, anything helps. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Please be safe out there. Take good care of each other. Watch your back. More importantly, watch your back. All right. All right. Be safe. Later. I can't believe you sent that shit, bro. Yeah, that shit sent a big dick right to your mailbox. And then I think it says eat a dick on it, doesn't it? It's fucking hysterical. There's glitter all over the place. It's like a, it's like a stripper was in the studio. Good. That's what that was the goal. That was the goal. Hey folks, Nick from the Roll Call Room podcast. If you're thinking about buying a house, selling a house, or anything in between, I'd like to introduce you to a great friend of mine, Michelle Merritt. Michelle is a licensed realtor and a former law enforcement officer who just happens to be my old academy partner. After medically recovering from her on-duty injury, she now looks out for her first responder family by walking them step-by-step through the real estate process, all the way through to settlement and beyond. Working with Pearson Smith Realty in Ashburn, Michelle serves clients all over Virginia. First responder incentives are listed on her website at sold with merit. That's M E R R I T T.com. Tell Michelle that Nick from the roll call room sent you and you'll receive a credit of up to $500 on your home inspection. Trust me, folks. Michelle is the way to go.